0: Hello, hello, hello. My name is Ivy. I am your host and you are listening to the Future is Black podcast. Welcome.
1: Um, to be honest, my imposter syndrome is present yep. daily. I have Let's, to talk it. It. <laughs> Honestly, Let's talk about fair. it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk really about it. It really is. Um, but yeah, no, I mean... I've come from, I've grown up in a working class house. I went to a public, failing public school turned academy. Um, so it wasn't something that was, I didn't, I, I'm certainly not what you call um, from a privileged background. So um, I definitely think that shows up at work when, I'll give you an example, and this is nothing work related. It's just little conversations that you hear okay. in the office. Obviously, I know we're virtual now, but things like skiing, that was. I that. <laughs> Let me just be honest. Skiing was not something that I thought people actually went to do. That was-
0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Future Is Black podcast, episode five. We are still in the new year, um, and this podcast, this particular episode, actually is going to be so informative, so uplifting, and so fulfilling. I have drumroll. One of my bestest friends in the entire world on this episode. I'm really excited because she's super intelligent. She's super smart. I met her in university. And since then we've literally been besties. I think that she's really, really a lot of things, but I adore her because she has an unconventional route into where she is now. She's super successful, but I think it's really interesting to speak to black people, especially black women who have not followed a linear path to get to where they are at. She can really help a lot of people at the beginning of the new year, want to get a new job they want to change their life they want to fix your life moment and I think for a lot of us our purpose and our joy can come from work to a certain extent I think it's really important not to over index on making that making sure that your nine to five fulfills you in every aspect but for me and Narelle it is something that we find a lot of joy in and we kind of want to help you find that joy too so without further ado Narelle could you introduce yourself please
1: Thank you so much for the intro Ivy. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast. Thank you. Um, If anyone knows me, they know I don't do things like this often. (laughs) (laughs) I talk about myself in public, but I'm going to do it today and I'm really excited to be here. Obviously, recruitment is my kind of career and what I do for a job. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, there'll definitely be a few things you can take from this call for sure. Um, so, yeah. my name's Narelle, Um I'm a recruiter. I work for Spotify. So, the app that you're listening to this, app.
0: yeah, <laughs> well, you're team, no. you're team, <laughs> team, what you listen to, we work for that business. Yes, okay,
1: try no. <laughs> Um, What that means is I'm a strategic partner to the business. I partner closely with hiring managers on their hiring strategies to essentially attract and bring in the best talent Mm -hmm. or what we call band members. Um, So my remit is sales and advertising Um, and previously I have worked in uh, digital media and advertising Uh, so I've got experience working for two of the big five media agencies in the world Um, and I've specialised in digital so paid search, paid social, SEO um, and then also media planning and buying roles um and any other role you can find in a media agency because you know there's loads. <laughs> there's so
0: many, there's so many and
1: exactly. honestly like
0: you working for those top brands and obviously working for Spotify that's so big that's so huge as a black woman especially like in your role I know that so many other tech companies are like being more diverse, but we know maybe like 30, 40 years ago, not not specifically at Spotify, but at different companies, they weren't as diverse. I know there's the companies that I've worked for that lacked in diversity and I was always the only one. So I know that for a lot of people listening here, they probably feel like, okay, she's a recruiter. um, She works for Spotify. Her career has been like samey all the way through. Can you talk to us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that? Has that been your experience?
1: certainly not it has not been my experience at all i mean i would say over the last what four to five years i've been in media been in this industry but pre previous to that who knew about the advertising? Like, I have no <laughs> so clue. And I can 100% say, it and no, it's definitely a focus for media agencies today mm. um, that we really do need to find or have a presence in schools, universities, colleges. It's definitely a focus for them. Yeah, um, because, really. you know, from my experience, just being in education, specifically university, I didn't ever. Um, have any exposure to the media and advertising land I only really learned about this industry when I fell into it shall I say we can probably get onto that a bit later but yeah I mean my experience has been um purely from the last four to five years
0: so you've been in for four for the last four to five years
1: Yeah, exactly. So before that, let's go before that. Sorry, I know I didn't answer your question fully, but before that I was working for William Hill. So after graduating from uni, I um, applied. I remember obviously during my time at uni, you, you have kind of mixed views of where you want to be in life and yeah. what you want to do and I know like something I was always passionate about and what I really wanted to do um, back then was work with young people and um, particularly disadvantaged young people and kind of just helping them definitely not within a school setting but in like either a youth club or you know helping them into um, the working world um, so I remember looking at roles at Explore Learning I don't know if anyone knows that company I think they do like tuition for young people and I remember just being flat-faced rejected
0: <laughs> really <laughs> from, from so the, what you applied uh, did you apply and then were rejected I applied
1: it? yeah I wrote the longest cover letter oh. you know you get told to write a cover letter with your CV well, and so many
0: people TV. can relate <laughs> so many people can relate I'm sure there's some people listening in like you go for that dream job especially when you're in uni we know the pain like I, yeah. like, I want to work for this top company I'm gonna apply like everything's gonna work out because that's what you're told Go to your land your dream job, get your dream man, get your dream house, get your dream
1: kids, get your dream dog. And then it's like, okay, well. But you know what it is? Yeah, exactly that. No no one tells you, though, that you can't do that. So you're you're there, you get a good grade and you come out and you feel like you're on top of the world and straight away i came out anyway i don't know how students are today i think they're a lot more smarter than i was back then but when i came out of university i genuinely thought i could get any job i apply for because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a graduate tell me anything because i'm a graduate i got two one <laughs> july what are you get a <laughs> first i've got two
0: one. <laughs> two, one. So exactly four so, four. Yeah. thank you very yeah. much
1: you know I was a fresh grad so I had all that research experience or knowledge and stuff that's what I was thinking when I applied but yeah I was literally turned down before even being invited to an interview and I really didn't understand why but I remember reading on that that they required managerial experience or something like that so um I basically um, saw an ad for William Hill and it was a cashier role, just one of the first roles you can get in in William Hill. And it said that I can become a manager within six months. So that was what really interested me. And I applied um, and got the job. Um, And yeah, and I did become a manager within six months. And I had, as you know, um, quite a long journey at William Hill and I won't go into too much detail, but I ended up in- I was there for four years, which was ex- uh, quite a long, lengthy period after graduating. But I had four different roles, and my okay. most recent role, the last role that I was in, um, I sat on the area leadish- leadership team and ran a cluster of shops within the West London area. Um, so. I mean, I had to interview for that position. Um, William Hill went through a major restructuring um, and introduced brand new roles, and told all shop managers to apply for it because they were getting rid of like the district manager level. Um, So yeah, I was one of hundreds of managers on my area to apply. The um, and I was one of two in the entire area in London. Um, So that's west, north, south. And East, or whatever, to get one of two people to get the opportunity. And um, so, yeah. That
0: is such an achievement. <laughs> I, I think we should go a bit deeper into this because obviously you've left university, you've applied for a dream job, you didn't get your dream job, but you didn't let it discourage you and just be like, okay, I'm not going to apply for anything else. What made yeah. you go for William Hill? Because a lot of people do that job, you know, work for William Hill, maybe without a degree or without said qualifications. So, how would you feel about applying for William and Hill? Because it does come with some type of stigma. My yeah. Did you have around that? Do
1: you know what? I I didn't care about the stigma that was there. I remember when I got the job, I just felt like. I I felt at home, like I thought I could just be my 100% authentic self in the betting shop, like my granddad, you know, he used to do um, bets in William Hill, that was his favourite bookmakers, (laughs) you know, I felt a bit prideful as well, like, because William Hill had just such a good reputation amongst the other betting shops, for example, but um, I absolutely loved my job there like I was definitely one of a very very few let's be real because okay. everyone that I worked with it was like a second job or a part-time job or something just as a stepping stone nothing too serious but you know although it was that for me I didn't look at it as that I'd done everything I could do I got involved in the training I was district trainer I'd done staffing I was helping interview people for the um the shops Um, I was always 10 out of 10 for NPS scores so I, mystery shopper scores and stuff like that so you know if you really look at how I worked there as an employee I can see why I got the area district uh, the district um manager position but a lot of people didn't understand how I got it because I was young I was 24 I was black I was the only black woman on my area leadership team as well let's put that out there because let, let's, is, were,
0: let's let it be said let's
1: let it be said. <laughs> let's put that out there because it was a major shift going from working in the in the shops with pretty much predominantly black staff and black customers to then go in on a leadership team for the same company, complete different area where I had literally out of a team of 30 people, I managed, I had two black people on that team.
0: I I think that's an indication to society and like companies, right? Like that Mm -hmm. we think as black women, not even think we feel that because it's what we see, the higher we get up, like even to the business side, it, it becomes more white, right? And then does, 100%.
1: You,
0: do you know what I mean? And you do become like the only one. And I think it's so interesting. There's a couple of things I want to just go a little bit deeper on in this whole story. There's a lesson to be learned here that number one, rejection does not necessarily mean failure. It's actually redirection because mm. I can see your tenacity and just your resilience and your ability to get yourself back up and go for something no matter what anybody else might have been thinking or saying or believing you had a plan um, and I yeah. think that's number one, like that takes a lot of confidence. So I just want to say, like, that's a really big lesson within itself. And number two, I really think it's a sign that you were kind of walking in your path, but maybe not in the way that you thought you would be. Like, yeah. when you were working at Hill, did you see yourself being a recruiter?
1: Absolutely not. No, okay. um, I didn't. I didn't even really think about my next step. Um, when I was at William Hill, because like I said, I was comfortable and I enjoyed and, you know, I was I was satisfied in the job for there's quite a few different things that made me happy. But I can honestly say in that role, it was a huge, huge role and definitely I'd say my entry point into recruitment because um I wouldn't even I can easily go as far as saying I wouldn't have needed to have gone to uni okay because okay. of how much I feel William Hill played a massive part in me getting into um recruitment however obviously university is a huge experience for anyone and it really does help how they are as a person going into the employment world yeah. I think so I definitely think obviously having the university experience behind me going into William Hill put me in a position where I was being promoted quite quickly outside, you. Um, in comparison to other people who may not necessarily have gone through uni. Does that and make sense? That's
0: where, no, that does, because I think that's yeah. where qualifications really help because there's this constant debate and we always hear about it a lot, especially as recruiters, where you, degrees don't matter, right? Um, you don't need a degree to be successful, yeah. which I 100% am on board with, the latter. You don't need a degree to be successful 100%. But I know for me... Also working in talent acquisition in my at Microsoft, which I absolutely am loving. It's a new role for me. I'm really excited about it. Um, really, really happy to have the role. <laughs> Basically, when people say things like that, I just do feel like it does put you degrees still put you at an advantage because so many of the roles that are open and available ask for you to have a degree. Like that's just a fact, yeah. right? And Although like companies are growing and changing, and now there's like apprenticeship programs and training programs and intern programs, you know all of these things are growing. But having a, a degree does help you, and I think especially if you're a black woman because mm-hmm. it gives you that extra backing and support and validation in what you're doing. So yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting actually.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean that's. Uh kind of what happened at William Hill I mean I can't remember where I was Ivy you need to
0: no (laughs) on the journey we just kind of went into talking about being a black woman so actually how do you feel I think that leads us to the next question actually how do you feel being a black woman has it affected your role your life your career how does it affect Um, operate within your
1: work so it's, it's, it's a crazy one, isn't it? Because being completely transparent with you and open with you, I know recently I've definitely noticed it a lot more, being black okay. at work, but when I was at William Hill, for example, I probably had the, the, the most experiences where I felt, whoa, like I'm black and I'm young and all my shop managers are middle-aged white men in areas that are predominantly white and I did feel that I was I did feel that I was a black woman in in those environments but I never let it affect me in any way because I feel like I had some silent confidence in a sense within my ability to do the job that they were doing and so that didn't bother me but now sorry because obviously we're taking a whole load further to recruitment um it's definitely something that going through just working in the um what do you call it the um working world especially now that we're virtual as well we're on all these video calls etc and I'd say since George Floyd happened back in 2020 um so much conversations are based around um being more inclusive yeah well yeah based around race and being more inclusive for Um, black employees in any organization. So I think it it definitely is something that is um, in my mind all the time, especially when you know you're one of a very few on on the call Um, and you're definitely the minority. So what I like to make sure is that inclusive hiring and growing diverse teams is at the kind of forefront in everything I do. And I bring it to all of my conversations with hiring managers and candidates. But in addition to that, I always get involved in projects outside of my day-to-day responsibilities where I can continue to help make um, or pave that way for young black professionals or make a difference to the experiences of black employees within the organization that I work in, because that's where I can make a difference. Um, But yeah, I definitely feel that it's, um, it's something that your Reminded about on a day-to-day basis. Um, in what, way? yeah, it's not, in what it's, ways? In what like
0: ways? How do you feel like you're reminded?
1: Um, just in terms of the conversations that you have to have in recruitment. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Like recruitment is. I would say there's three key areas that are discussed or needed to be focused on when we're talking about DNI and specifically hiring a diverse workforce, and that is attraction, attracting black talent or ethnic minority talent, retaining them and promoting them. Um, And the first one is my career. That's what I do for a day job. So multiple conversations, I'm having to have conversations about how we're doing it, what targets we have to meet.
0: Um,
1: Yeah, and and what is being done about it. And you know, with that comes, yeah, you see obviously people's passion and people who wanna get involved to actually make impact and make a difference, but you also see those that are doing it just because they have to, or just because it's of conversation and the most important thing um, of business strategy at the moment, and that is frustrating. Of course, you don't wanna, you know, start working with people who, what, because they've been set a target to hire more black talent. it's a tick box exercise yeah it becomes a tick box exercise or there's positive discrimination or um you know they're doing they're moving outside of how they would usually move when it comes to hiring and attracting that type of talent i feel like it should be something that's embedded in an organization's culture i don't think it should be okay yeah exactly that exactly that so yeah i think i mean I, i probably haven't gone into too much detail there but There's so much that I like to do and, okay, just going back to my job, obviously, I hire mid to senior level um, people. So strategies will be very different in terms of how we go about attracting that talent. And my focus is, how what, what's the candidate experience? How are we making sure that our interview panels, for example, are diverse so that people see the types of teams that they're joining? Um, and then also what we're putting out there in our employer brand. Um, that's the stuff that I like to think about with mid to senior hires, but then I think the biggest way we can impact and make sure that we're bringing talent in volumes is early careers. Like I don't specialise in early careers. That's your specialism. Ivy, That's my specialism,
0: I like young people. <laughs>
1: I'm super passionate about young people, so in absolutely every role I've been in, in recruitment, I've always put myself forward um, to volunteer for early careers projects, whether that be joining the apprenticeship workshops, um, because where I can bring that that diversity to a panel, I will. Um, I know what it's like interviewing on group calls, for example, and if we've got black talent on those calls and they don't see anyone that looks like them in what about eight or nine interviewers, um, then that's an extra layer of nerves that it can bring them, whereas... Um, also aside from that I attend universities um I've been on career fairs and this is all stuff that I do outside of my day to day job because I'm not in early careers does that make sense so yeah, yeah so sense. I can continue to get myself involved in um other areas to just yeah the ultimate making an in- inclusive workplace really and
0: I think that just shows that you're an advocate now for what you're passionate about and also who you are And I think Mm. that is probably the best way to kind of show up authentically to who you are. Because I think sometimes when we talk about Black people being in workspace, we think about it looking a particular way. So, you know, you're heading up the Black History Month, which I love to do, or you're, you know, you're leading on certain projects and you're having uncomfortable conversations constantly, but it doesn't look the same for everybody. And I think as a recruiter, you actually have the advantage because you can bring forward a pipeline that is diverse. Like that is within your power. And that's what I love to do. Like, I love to be able to look at talent, assess talent, but make sure that they are Black people in this pipeline. They are ethnic minorities in this pipeline. They are people who are disadvantaged in this pipeline. And that comes mm-hmm. from, yes, being Black, but also understanding the importance of representation and knowing it's not just a slogan that we're throwing yeah, around.
1: exactly, exactly that. Exactly. And, and, and another thing, just to add to that as well, um, it's about making sure that it's always at the forefront of their minds. Whenever they're looking to hire for the team, you're not just doing it to meet a target for that specific year or, um, you know, because you've been asked to or it's been spoken about in your last leadership meeting, that's why you're going to make the effort to speak to a recruiter about hiring someone Black. It should be something we discuss at absolutely every briefing meeting when we're we're opening a role. Look at the diversity makeup of your team and how you can make that more diverse because, you know... I've, I've worked with teams that are predominantly black and I've worked with teams that are predominantly white, but the ones that are predominantly black usually have a black person in the leadership, you know, yes, who's yes. in those decisions and making sure that they bring it, but it shouldn't just be a team, it needs to be, you know, the entire workforce, but also industries and then other industries you know it goes it goes on and on <laughs>
0: I love that and I think we've given you a really good understand. well everybody listening I think we've given you a good understanding of what being black in recruitment looks like and some of the things that we do to advocate for talent and making sure that we get black talent in these workforces but let's get into some of the juicy stuff I to oh. ask a few personal questions that I have not prepared you for at all I know this is all like off the top of your head but like on a personal note how has it like really like affected your mental health how has it affected your psyche your you know your reflection on yourself working in your job but also how does it affect like sometimes we look at recruitment and we meet loads of different people in recruitment another thing that I think is important and it's really important to like highlight is where you're from so like me being from ends when I say Ends, southeast London I meet a lot of different people who are very different to me and have different economic backgrounds, come from different places in the world, have different life experiences. And that's black, white, Asian, and everything in between everyone um, has different backgrounds. And sometimes what I feel like is that diversity goes beyond just being black. If you are black, we also have to look at the diversity within that. Because yeah. I think sometimes when you're working with people, not this isn't my personal experience, but when you are working with people who are like, you're getting talent from maybe the top universities and just the top universities, and you're fo- focusing on black people in specific roles and just those roles, it can become in a way like a classes system as well. So do mm-hmm. you ever feel that? Do you ever feel like maybe you don't belong? Um, how does it affect your mental health, working in recruitment, working with loads of different types of people, regardless if they're black? Like, do you always feel that sisterhood working with a black person, or do you sometimes like get conscious? Like how does it make you feel working in your role? I know that's a loaded question.
1: No, it's a loaded question, but it's great. And I completely understand it. Um, so yeah, you're right. I think just your kind of background and upbringing does definitely play a part in how you feel in a role like this. And let me be honest, my imposter syndrome is present yeah. daily. I have let's to talk fight about, it. <laughs> Honestly, let's talk it's about it. Let's talk about it, let's talk really about it. It really is. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've come from, I've grown up in a working class house. I went to a public, failing public school turned academy. Um, so it wasn't something that was, I didn't, I, I'm certainly not what you call um, from a privileged background. So um, I definitely think that shows up at work when, I'll give you an example, and this is nothing work related. It's just little conversations that you hear okay. in the office. Obviously, I know we're virtual now, but things like skiing, that was, I that. <laughs> let me just be honest, skiing was not something that I thought people actually went to do. That was something that you watch on TV, but, you know, that is a, a very popular um, activity for oh, 100%. people to so go on, especially through specific times of the year. So, um there was a lot of times I, I used to question, ah, oh, there's like my kind of activities outside of work aren't exciting as theirs, or, um, you know, I didn't do any of that stuff, this is very all new for me. We yeah, went to the exactly. park. Very, Yeah, very, and, and, and you find, especially working in our field of work, you're, it's a very social field, so you're going out, socialising with people, um, even on calls when you have to introduce yourself and give free, Free things that you enjoy or that you know when you have to really go into a lot of detail about the stuff that you do there's a lot that I'm like oh wow or like I didn't, didn't have those experiences so I haven't done that or you know they they might not find what or think what I do is exciting etc so um yeah that but I also think at the end of the day I know I've worked to get to where I am and sometimes you have to look back and, and look at your journey and my journey like you said didn't start in an apprenticeship, not apprenticeship programme, sorry, like a graduate scheme or an internship or something like that. I started from William Hill, do you know what I mean? And that's very much something I love to speak about still. Um, You don't really speak to much people in my field of work that have had a background like that. So a lot of people are really interested, but one thing I can say I took away from it is my people management experience. Like you don't really gain people management experience. I've noticed early on in your career in this industry, it's as you progress and gain experience doing the role. So to have that, and yeah, it's retail, but it's very transferable. People manager is a people manager. Of course, you do people, you people. Exactly. And, you know, that was something I could always kind of say, regardless of where I've come from that's experience that has helped me get to where I am now and I'm really proud of that um so yeah it's 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 not something that bothers me being around middle class especially not now after four years but definitely at the start I used to always just question I think the biggest thing that affected me was questioning like whether people would think my social life or the stuff I get up to outside of work is interesting yeah Um, I had the same
0: experience I had the same experience like even now like joining Microsoft I had that moment of like I have the imposter syndrome and it shows up really weird. It, I, I can like panic, I can start getting panicky. And I can remember calling my friend and like nearly being in tears and being like, what, what about when they find out that I'm actually not good? Like, it was so weird. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah. they're gonna find out this big secret that I just don't deserve to be here. Um, yeah. And I thought that at various moments throughout my career for multiple reasons. I can remember going to, in my last role, going to like this international summit, or a conference or whatever, and it was in Germany. And I could be like, no, it's like, it was the first time in my life that I ever felt invisible. And mm. I'm a very visible person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I show up, like I've got a presence in it. So it was very difficult for me because I actually felt so invisible. Like I was trying to talk to people. I like to think of myself as quite friendly, but it just wasn't clicking. And it's like, their interest didn't match my interests. And I didn't know how to fake laugh or I didn't know how to do certain things. and Funnily enough, somebody had brought up skiing, and I'm just quiet because I can't relate to any of the experiences. And all of those things can make you feel like you don't belong. But you're yeah. here to tell you that you do belong. You do you 100%. They would not hire you if you didn't belong.
1: That's just. And, and that's it. And that's the thing. And that like for me now as well. And, and you know what? I can always look back and know that I've come far because. It's only now that I really, really feel like I can bring my full, authentic self to work. And and let me lie, that's a lie. Not my full, authentic self, but more of my authentic self to work. Because you're never, ever... For me, personally, I've never brought my full self there. But I really do feel like um, people understand who I am and my personality. And, you know, I I don't talk about this often, but I do hair outside of work as well. And that's something I talk about at my job all the time. Do you know what I mean? And it's not. It's not something that you really hear of um, often at like people having, you know, extra hobbies like that. But Black women and our hair is something that we hold really close to us. Exactly. So exactly. I love that I can really speak about that at and work. It- that
0: other layer of understanding as yeah, well. Right? I think you, you, by opening yourself up, sometimes we are hesitant as Black women to open ourselves up because it's, history has shown that it hasn't really worked out for us a lot. Let's just be real. Do you yeah. That I mean that? Bring an authentic self forward, you're aggressive, you're you're a B I T C H, like you're bitchy, you're rude, you're this, you're that, you're loud. There's so many words and connotations and things that are put onto us when we do show up as ourselves. But what mm-hmm. is really helping that is people like you, right? Who are making sure that they're coming into these businesses to make sure that you're not the only one. I always say, and this is one of my favorite things to say, there's two types of people, two types of people in this world. There's one person that will come in and be like, oh my God, like. I'm the only one this is so cool I've made it like well done me Yeah. and there's the other type of person who's like I'm the only one how can I bring in more like, you know mm-hmm. do you have a little mm-hmm. Britain yeah. she's like I'm the only gay in the in the village and he was like so happy about it and I'm like yeah. no yeah. there needs to be other gays in the village do you know what I mean
1: 100% 100% and the more that you see the, the change happening like obviously we've got such a long way to go but I'm very selective, and I guess we'll get onto this when it comes to our our do's and don'ts at the end, but when choosing a company that I go to work for now, I'm extremely selective with... Their diverse hiring strategy you know and there's so much ways you can find out how what that is or what that looks like by doing your research um but also asking questions at the interview because 100%. You, the way they answer their passion and that kind of stuff that comes out and you don't just ask one interview you ask all of them at all the stages because you want to hear a well-rounded um kind of viewpoint or opinion on on that and so you know I know when I'm choosing a company to work for, I make sure that it's a company that I'm going to feel valued as a black woman.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important as well because I know that some of us have had very traumatic experiences. Um, one of the, sec- I think it was like the second job I ever had was terrible. Like it was yeah. such a bad experience. I experienced a lot of racism. There was a lot that went on. I, I'm going to talk about it. I think in another episode, but I was, definitely fired. I was definitely tried. I definitely spoke up about racism, but that's another story. Um, and it was really traumatic for me, really traumatic for me. I remember I cried from Reading Station. No, I called you.
1: Yeah, you called me. I remember.
0: Oh, I bawled for like literally two hours on the train. People was getting on the train thinking something was wrong. Yes, I was bawling. But do you know what? I think within those experiences, you either, it's fight or flight. For me, it was like, okay, well, I'm at the bottom now. So how can I get to the top? And also knowing that, every company is different like yeah. I've really really learned that the company I worked for before I worked for Microsoft was absolutely fantastic in terms of culture it was yeah. amazing like um and although like every company isn't without its flaws I never felt that level of discrimination if that makes sense like I never felt racism or anything working in that particular company working at mm-hmm. Microsoft diversity is embedded in everything and in all its practices <laughs> yeah. and there's more than one black person. There's a few. Do you know what I mean? So uh, you feel more at home, more welcome, more relaxed. So I think um, often what we think are our failures are really times where our doors are actually opening, and it's providing us the opportunity for more. Same as you. Obviously, you didn't fail at William Hill. Actually, you thrived. But there was a turning point for you. What made you leave William Hill? If you have like a quick story, or
1: because yeah, um, yeah, I can I, I can run through it really quickly. Um. So the the, the reason I left was because I had a car crash well it wasn't a car crash I wasn't injured or anything but I crashed my car en route to um, a shop in Hammersmith and I remember obviously the car being obviously a requirement of the position but when I phoned in to let them know the situation they told me that they weren't going to replace my vehicle and that they wouldn't give me a company car and that I would need to sort my own transport out so
0: when I realized
1: Um, I think it was mainly because they were talking about fairness across all the BPMs, everyone has their own car, we haven't done this with anyone else, so we wouldn't do it for you, that kind of stuff. I don't think it was um, anything specific, but I'd done it for a few weeks, making my own way in um, by train, but I managed... Six different shops across West London. And then obviously, oh. when I was in the area, it would be a much wider patch than that. And it was just unsustainable to do without a vehicle. So I realised very quickly that I had to start my job search at that point and don't get me wrong it was probably the lowest I'd been um, in terms of how I felt because I was really scared to get onto the market, I was scared of not knowing the direction I wanted to take my career in but um, the great thing about the last role I was in was how versatile, um, how much responsibilities I had so it was a mixture of HR, recruitment, You know, I had been exposed to recruitment by hiring into my cluster um, and offering a job. So although I wasn't the recruiter in the kind of cycle, I was the hiring manager. I did have the control of offering the job to the candidate, which I loved. And um, obviously... Now, I didn't I, at, the, at the time, then there was no such thing as counter offers or negotiations and that kind of stuff that I experienced. Now, at the time, it was you're offering a job to someone that needs it, do you know what I mean? And um, I felt that on the call, and I really loved making people's day basically. Oh, so that's, that's when, yeah, so after that, I realized, you know what, it's actually an area that I could potentially explore further. Um, and I applied for HR and recruitment roles, I got absolutely no looking when it came to HR, but um. I was contacted by a recruitment agency um, that focused on digital media um games in A V. And yeah, I mean, it was a very long process interviewing for them. It was a five stage process. And I remember at the time, because my role was so varied and there was it was very demanding, I was thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to do a five stage process with this company and an interview elsewhere? So I put all my eggs in one basket and um got the job, luckily, and accepted it straight away, just absolutely elated that I was able to leave William Hill and go into a role in central London as a rec- recruitment consultant I was really happy Um, but yeah I mean it it wasn't the best decision for me to make and I look back now and I would have done things differently I would have given myself options I would never have just interviewed at one company exactly because You know, I realised very quickly after joining that that was not the right culture for me at all. Um, And also just recruiting from a recruitment agency wasn't the right fit for me because I'm not a salesy person. You know, I'm very much more a people's person and I care more. So, um, yeah, I left agency recruitment after seven months because I was unhappy in the role um, and looked to move in house. And I've been in house ever since. I've never looked back.
0: That's fantastic. And I think it also um, is a do and a don't that we actually do need to highlight. I think that's the first one that we would say is research, research, research. Like, I know it's hard when you're on the job market, you just need a job, but there is a difference between a career and a job. When I was just working jobs, I was working jobs. So my main goal was money, 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 money. I Mm. think within my career, I have to feel that purpose and I I have to like it. I have to love it. It has to be about more than about money. So for me, I would say they... You can have a traumatic experience in one particular role. That doesn't mean that all roles are gonna be the same. And it's important to do your research before applying for the roles because you wanna make sure that as much as you can for whatever is in your control, that it's a good fit for you. Like I always say, yes, they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. Are they yeah. a good fit for you? So that's my first tip. Narelle, quickly for the second one, because this is a bit of a fire round. What's your yeah.
1: What's your first do? Um, my first do would be to be careful who you choose to represent you for a role. Um, and that's, I mean, it's a fireout, so I won't go into an example as to why I say that, but there's multiple recruiters out there who, you know, You've got your internal teams, but then you've also got your recruitment agencies and specifically the agency recruiters. They don't just work with that brand that you're looking to go forward for. They work with multiple different companies and they have targets to meet. And sometimes they don't always put you forward in the best way possible. They don't represent you in the way you would like to be represented to that particular company. So do your research. Obviously, um, there's no I'm not against agency recruiters. I've got a few that I absolutely love to work with. because they really embed themselves into the business and value how we like the type of people that we look to bring in but not everyone's like that and I've worked with some awful ones too um so yeah just do your research and know who's going to represent you in the best way possible but if not always go to the internal team you'll speak to people like me and Ivy so yeah,
0: that is really
1: cool. <laughs> and, and we have internal connections we have connections with hiring managers and it's so important um that you know you know, when you're speaking of internal, uh, recruiter, you know, that they really do want to make sure they're bringing in the right people for the business. Um, and so you'll have a proper entry into that company basically, as opposed to, yeah, an agency recruiter. And I, I don't want that to sound like shade to agency recruiters. I absolutely love them. Some no shade, of them but no some are doing it in the That's right the way, that though, by the way, because for me, <laughs> I don't really dig,
0: agency recruiters bad experiences just saying it's in-house for me but um, we have separate views um my second do is be yourself like I know that sounds very cliche but don't fake the funk like I know that I'm like really bubbly I'm really happy I'm really friendly and of course i um, in an interview present yourself in a professional manner I understand all of that but I think Mm -hmm. it's also important to make sure that you're bringing yourself forward like don't be saying that you're vegan when you eat chicken like don't Mm. I I know it sounds really silly and like really funny right but the reason why I say that is because I think that sometimes when it and it's what Nivelle was saying when they ask you name three good things about you like I can remember when people used to ask me that I used to just be like let me make some stuff up because I don't know do you know what I mean and then only when I got to about I'm 30 by the way I'm 30 by the way only when I got to about 25 when I was actually what are three interesting facts about myself like what are three things Like don't fake the funk is what I'm saying like try to be the most you can yourself in the way that makes you feel comfortable and I always say because it's it's something that happens in the black community a lot we talk a lot about you know we don't want to put on for white people we don't want to put on for work and we don't want to put on that's that's definitely something that is said in the black community quite a lot and I don't think it's about that everybody comes to work in a professional manner or at least you should right and even though I feel like black people have always had to wear those two faces and do it a bit differently I think it is still important to make sure that you're being as most you can yourself one thing that I'm really happy about is where I am in my and the things it gets easier where I am in my career right now I would literally say I'm 100% myself of course I'm not yeah. how I conduct myself going out to dinner and going out for drinks with my friends like it's a different atmosphere but it's the same way that I'm not gonna act that way in my grandma's house do you know what I mean like It's very different, so I think um, that's what I would say. Sorry, it was a bit of a lengthy one. Narelle,
1: second top tip? Um, Second top tip, and this might be not too Mm -hmm. lengthy, but it's basically when you research a company and it ties us back to what me and Ivy said earlier on is making sure that that company is the right next step for you and a way that this is something that I'm sharing with I've never shared this with anyone before but it's something I do personally when I'm on a job search it's checking out the company page on LinkedIn so we all know LinkedIn is a huge and most one of the most important tools to use when on a job search right even if it's not to reach out to hiring managers um It is great to do company research. So checking out the company page, they have a life tab if they've invested in sharing their culture externally. So if they have a life tab, you'll see a lot about, um, you know, what they do socially, any initiatives that they've run. And it really does show the culture of the company um, on that page. It might not be on every company page, because not every company have the money to make that type of investment, but the ones that do, and I'm talking specifically from the tech, media and advertising industry, you really do get great insights of how they run um, internal initiatives, You know, whether their workforce is diverse enough, but it's, it's a great insight or research into um, what the company culture is like. So yeah, that's another tip from me.
0: Thank you. My third do and top tip is this one specifically for my beautiful black women um is to don't let people touch your hair like I mean if you're comfortable with it then cool but I think it's also a metaphor and like indication for bigger things like you're not a pet we're not pets in the zoo I would say white people don't ask to touch black people's hair black people if you're uncomfortable with it say no like I know that we shouldn't even be having this conversation in 2022 but it's still a conversation that's being had and I think it's actually for I bring it up as yeah okay something that is being discussed but it's actually for me it's present for other things so for example like don't say yes to things that you're uncomfortable with necessarily like you can ask questions I'm not saying you necessarily have to shut it down and say no but if something is making you feel uncomfortable or if you have questions or if you feel like there's some kind of there's something going on that's maybe affecting you racially or is insensitive just Ask the question, like try to ask the question, and you can do that in the way that makes you feel comfortable. Whether that's sending an email, reaching out to HR, talking to your manager, having a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody who you get along with and you feel that you can trust. Like I think it's really important to feel comfortable where you work, um and it doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to feel comfortable because you've done all these things and it's going to work for you. Maybe it won't, but I think it's really important to you're you're a human being. You deserve to feel comfortable where you work. That should be a basic level of how you should feel showing up at work, whether you're working from home or whether you're working um, in the office. I think that it's important to have those conversations as difficult as it can be, especially within the black community where we're taught to kind of put up and shut up. I think it's really important to speak in whichever way you feel comfortable when things are making you feel uncomfortable. So yeah, that's my third one. Narelle, would this be Mm -hmm. your third?
1: Um, Yeah, it'll be my third do um so ivy's probably touched upon this earlier in the conversation as well but just to go into a little bit more detail prep questions based on what you want for your future so if you're going into an interview make sure you've got a set of questions for goodness sakes it's honestly the last <laughs> thing you want is not to have a question because on. It's, it's two things like they, the reason why they expect the question is because they they need to know that you care about the role and want to understand the role and company culture because they actually prepare themselves to answer your questions as well as part of the interview process. Um, but for me, I feel like I get the I'm the most confident going into an interview when I know I've prepped questions based on exactly what I'm looking for for my future because especially when you're interviewing with multiple companies um you can always have the same set of questions that you're going to be asking but you want to hear from them how they're going to be the right company or right fit for you do you know what I mean and the only way you're able to do that is really sitting down with yourself thinking about where your next step will be and what your next step looks like um and then planning how a company or what a company needs to do to actually meet those needs and then those are what you will base your questions off so um yeah I mean two to five questions is more than enough you don't need to do too much but I really do think it's something that you need to sit down with yourself and think about because there's no Worst thing than going into interviews with the most generic questions from Google. I've done that before as well. And you don't always get the answers you care about. You're just asking a question for the sake of asking a question. And that's what you wanna steer away from, especially as you progress in your career.
0: Brilliant. I think that's really, really and, and yeah, it's jarring as well, like, come on. You've got a sign to ask, like, you're not interested. Like, yeah. if you're interested, you ask questions. When you go on a date, you should be asking whoever you're dating questions. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You ask questions. So I would say that my fourth tip, actually um, piggy banking off of what you've said about asking um, questions and being prepared, I would definitely say that when you are interviewing with a company, to be b- bring your best self in the sense of follow up. So. I love candidates and I love people in general who follow up. Like you have to, understand, as a recruit, you're really busy. You've got so many moving parts and it is our job to get back to you 100% and to contact you and send you emails and all these things, that is a part of the job, but you wanna stand out. So I guess that is my fourth top tip, stand out, follow up. Um, if you feel like you really enjoyed the email, send an email after an um, interview, send the email after, do those cover letters, Stand out in whichever way you can. But I think following up is something that's so easy. You can easily do it after an interview. It does, you know, it keeps that person in your mind when you email us and say, this was a really good experience. I really enjoyed this. This is something that I'm really keen on. It puts you top of mind. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get the job, but you've mm-hmm. done everything you can in your ability to make yourself be seen. That's important. So I would say important. stand up, follow up. That's what I'm saying for that one. So Noah, what's your fourth
1: top tip um my fourth again another personal tip from me and something that i do in my job search and i just want to reiterate here as well i kind of am directing my tips for people who have experience and want to move on to progressing their role um ivy might be focusing her questions more to or her tips more towards Early, yeah, entry level, yeah. 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 we got a mixture, um, we we're here got, we're here for all of you. bit mixture here. No, we're here for all of you listening. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, another tip for me um, would be to... When you're, and again, you might think I'm taking it a little bit too far or too deep when I'm doing my job search, but when looking for a new role, if you see a role, oh my gosh, that position looks amazing for me, I would love to apply, Um, and you're questioning whether you have the right level of experience, a great way to do that or find out for yourself and how I've done it, and it has been pretty successful for me, um, is actually going on to that company's page and looking in like on LinkedIn type the company in the search bar click on their people and then you can find people that have that title or role in that company go onto their profiles and search their past experience or the experience that they had before having that role and then you can match that up to your own experience as well yeah it is probably a bit stalkerish but as recruiters that's what we do we're stalkers out here so um, that <laughs> good Something that, no but it's important and it is. What it is, you talent mapping you're looking at people who have that role what did their experience look like before they were offered that job you know especially if it's a new role a really that you would thing. love to get into I think that's a great way to map the market and do some research for yourself
0: that's a really good tip and this is my fifth one my fifth and last one would be don't aim too high, don't aim too low. So when I say don't aim too high, I'm not talking about the job. I feel like every, most jobs up to now, like where I'm in my career now, but my early career, I was applying for jobs that I knew I was underqualified for. But guess what? I'm gonna show up and show out if you get me to that interview, right? So I would definitely say that a top tip for me is to definitely, I think it's two in one, but personality, I, I heard this very early in my career and it stuck with me. People do not hire people just because they do the job. People hire people because they like them. You have to know that, like, it's company cult. That's what company culture means. Can you fit in the company culture? That doesn't mean that the company culture is necessarily rigid. That's why it's like, look at it like dating. Like, you ain't going to want to date a man that you don't get along with same way in the company don't go and interviewing companies that you know you don't want to work for because the culture don't fit your culture so you can mm-hmm. find that for little things that like looking at the mission and vision of the company looking at how diverse a company is looking at maybe the products that they sell the things that they get into what they what they do what their ethos is all of these things can help you you know see if you want to fit into that company so top tip for me would be two things when I say don't aim too high, don't aim too low, I mean, be realistic in terms of your search. Mm. So don't be thinking that you're going to enter this company that is a financial company, say it's a Bank of England. Do you know what I mean? And then be thinking that the company culture is going to look one way when you know that the company culture is probably going to look another way. So be realistic is what I'm saying in terms of the companies that you're applying for. Don't expect too high of it necessarily being a good fit for you. If you already know that it, that it might not be, but also don't be too don't don't like go on the opposite side and be like, go put your standards down too low and be like, oh, this company, they're definitely gonna wanna accept me because they're co- their company culture and all that. I'll just work there for a bit. It's okay. It's fine. Like don't sell. So don't go too high when you're looking at how realistic you're being in your brain. I know that might sound a bit confusing, well, i am a recruiter so i do talk in very roundabout terms so i hope that the message was sent for my fifth tip yep. Does that make sense
1: yes it did definitely and what's
0: wrong um,
1: so my final tip would be always have a salary range in mind yes. um so don't just say the top end of your salary <laughs> It's so important to really make sure that you're very realistic in terms of every company pays their people differently. So be flexible in that you provide a range of expectation as opposed to one um, figure, because um, you want to make sure that you give them more reasons to consider you for the job. Sometimes when I see someone that's, you know, just over the top end of our budget, it's less likely that you can consider that person for the job because it doesn't allow them room to progress or grow, et cetera, within that role without receiving a promotion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always start my low end of, the least amount i'd expect in my next role so you can base that off of your current salary give yourself an extra tip 10 20 on top or whatever but then go above 5k um five or six however much k you want so that you're providing a salary banding as opposed to just a salary expectation i
0: love that, I um,
1: that there, but yeah give i love
0: options. that i absolutely love that and i think and specifically we're looking at black women as well a lot of the statistics and the studies show that black African women and black Caribbean women are actually less likely to advocate and negotiate pay than any mm-hmm. other ethnic minority and I think and leave alone white women so do you know what I mean so there's so many um women who do advocate more for their salary even though women in general do not get paid as much and there is the pay gap and that does exist I'm just saying that within women within that diversity black women Aren't advocating as much, and I and I can see that through my own career. Um, earlier on to my career, where I would interview men, and the first one they would ask for is how much is this role paying me? Don't do that either, by the yeah. way. But <laughs> you, nah. would, I would you'd be interviewing young black, really, really smart, really bright, intelligent women, and they will not ask or talk about the salary at all. Like literally, even at the end, and I'm just like, you, you can ask, you know, you can negotiate, you can, you know, empower yourself in whichever way. Again, go and do your research figure out what makes sense, research the mm-hmm. role, look at how much is paying, look at what the market price is. That's really important. So I would say that my first don't, and knows we're just going to do this one very quickly with like no explanation. Yeah, yeah. It will be explaining itself. My 3rd do <laughs> don't is really clear and simple. Don't not negotiate. And don't mm-hmm. not, um, be realistic with what your role pays. Like do your research. I think that's free. So don't not negotiate. So I've done it. I've just done it all in one now. Don't not Great. negotiate. Be realistic with your salary expectations in terms of your level, the market price and so on. I can't remember my third one asked, so give me two in a row.
1: Um, So I'll give you two. So mine would be don't burn bridges, especially yep. in the media advertising or tech industry. It's super small. You lot know this it ain't been around for too long. So <laughs> and, you know, okay, we are recruiters. We're professional. We have to provide feedback and, you know, make sure it's all, formal and stuff but hiring managers have friends who they've previously worked with connections in the industry etc who they also speak to if they are interviewing someone that's come from the same company as someone that they previously know or have worked with So yes do not burn your bridges my second one would be um give recruiters some time to come back to you (laughs) because um you know when you're you, you also kind of tarnish your name slightly especially in recruitment land if you're very aggy or messaging multiple times without waiting for a response like just stuff like that we will come back if your application is going to be considered for a role so yeah don't don't um just be patient with recruiters Use LinkedIn. I think that's pretty obvious from our conversation. It's it's the best tool um, to use. You can build your presence if you're talking from an early careers perspective. If you have no experience, grow your presence, build your profile, connect with companies you would love to work with, connect with their CEOs. Just get your news feed flowing because it gives you insights. It, it helps you, um, yeah, get exposure to the right people and the right places. Um, sorry I know I'm giving explanations you said not to <laughs> no it's
0: okay we've got, was got three I more to give that I'll just actually just run okay. really quickly so don't let imposter syndrome rule you we've already covered that mm. like do not let it rule you Like, it will literally block you from so many of your blessings and things that are to come if you let imposter syndrome get into your head you deserve to be where you are um, mm-hmm. number two is don't number four this would be because I've already given two so this is the thing, yeah. yeah so the fourth one would be don't be afraid of hard work Um, I know that a lot of people get in certain positions and they think they'll be smooth sailing. Like it's always like work is hard. Like for the most part, you know, there's ups and downs and, you know, there's calm periods, especially as a recruiter, there's calm periods, there's busy periods, but don't be afraid of hard work. I think that's really important, especially if you want, if you know you want to progress in your career, you know, put Mm -hmm. your hand up, put yourself forward. That's really, really important. And I think my last one would be, do not allow yourself to not go for something because you feel like it won't happen anyway because I've mm-hmm. done that so don't let fear rule you I think that's different to imposter syndrome imposter syndrome tells you that when you're in a place you're already there then maybe you shouldn't be and I think fear will allow you to not even get to that place so yeah you know what I mean don't let the fear of failure or not getting a job you down shut you down and never go for anything again like I applied for so many major tech roles when I left university and now I work for one of the best tech roles in the world Microsoft If not the best so it it, you know things happen when you keep trying and you keep going towards your goal keep progressing towards your goal those would be all of
1: mine no you've got three more for me um so my next one would be um and I know we're kind of just being quite wide as well not just for recruitment but joining an RG like especially once you've joined the company if they've got one it doesn't need to be in your first year it could be when you're comfortable and settled in a role but it gives you difference to your role it gives you a chance to work towards something that you're potentially passionate about um and if there's not one in your company because I know there's multiple companies that don't necessarily have one start one um what, it what is it ERG
0: RG if you can just Oh, sorry.
1: That's an employee resource group. So it's essentially a community that's built internally, um, ran by employees to influence policies and, um, yeah, make a better environment for, um, underprivileged groups. That's that's great. So, uh, what's your fourth one? Two more. Um, so my fourth one would be to, yeah, I mean, make sure that you. Are regularly updating your CV throughout the year. Like that's for me personally, one. even if you're not looking, um whenever you do a major project, whenever you have a super success story in your role, add it to your CV there and then. Like don't that's wait a for one. a time when you're looking because you will forget. Trust me, and you'll just end up putting the stuff that you quickly rush and put together when you're looking for a job and you really want to move. But it's also always really important. Utilize your one-to-ones with your managers, get their feedback as well, because that's also stuff that can be added. It to your cv but make it a regular thing something that you're updating throughout the year even if it's a quarterly thing that you're doing really? um, and then finally i will say um we're in a virtual world everyone's hybrid working um and i can only talk from my industry perspective i know a lot of us are working remotely at the moment and it can be quite lonely depending on your living situation but don't always feel like you can't reach out to someone just for a fee cut or well, we call it fee internally at Spotify. But if you want to reach out to someone for just a social chat or a conversation or connect with people that are not necessarily work related, don't be afraid to do that because especially, especially when you're new in a role. Um, I've only just experienced it recently. I'm four months in and it was hard onboarding remotely, but we're going to see a lot more of that over the next few years. Let's be real. So try it if you can, and still have social calls and connect with people internally so that you're not alone and you can still continue to learn without having a necessarily work-related call.
0: And around, so that is those are amazing. amazing like and I think we're going to end it here because it's been so insightful We've like we've jam-packed we've talked about our own careers we talked about the progress that we've made we talked about unconventional ways of you know developing and growing within your career and we've talked about so many things we've given you so many tips we've given you all the tips and I think the biggest takeaway from this is you when it comes to working and when it comes to you know applying for jobs and so on you can change your career like you can go yeah. from one place to another that's so important to know so many of us and so many people get bugged down in the nine to five of not feeling happy in what they do i love my job i yeah.
1: love do you love your job Noelle? I absolutely love my job. I love my nine to five, honey. Like listen, and love it. And you've got to love work because work doesn't feel like work when you're loving it. And let me tell you,
0: if they always say that you, you know, me and the world, you know, very unpopular, but we love a nine to five, honey. And I think that, you know, the saying goes that. If you find what you love, you'll never work again in your life. And obviously, sometimes it does feel hard, especially working virtually. You just get so much that satisfaction from what you do, and that's just great. So I hope that you've left this at least feeling like if there's something that you would like to branch into, we've given you some of the tools and some of the tips to be able to do so. So we're going to wrap it up now. Nero, do you want to leave with one quote, one wise word?
1: Um. Oh, it's really putting me on the spot, Ivy. <laughs> or a wise word. Um my I think my biggest thing would be this year. Um for me especially, I'm I'm gonna do a lot more of this. Um, but yeah, just push through your fears, I like feel the fear and do it anyway. That's Love probably it. the truth because that's something I now really really keep at the forefront of my mind because as ivy knows and i'll just put it out there as well i do not public speak it is probably my biggest fear on the list and i'm so happy and You've go gonna more. Yes. yeah it's one of many definitely so yes. the more you do something the better you'll get at it so if you have any kind of fear of public speaking or presenting you're in the same boat as me um so yeah I just lastly the happen.
0: question that I ask all of my guests thank you so much for coming it's been so amazing having you on thank you for being my first guest of 2022 I'm so fortunate and happy that I know you an intelligent successful black woman who's mm-hmm. from like the same background as me in terms of like being from working class working your way up achieving your goals striving for the things that you want when you hear the future is black what yeah. do, what do you what do you hear like what does that signal to you or symbolize to you what do you hear when I say that what comes to mind um,
1: just excellence was the first thing that came to mind mm-hmm. um the future is that. black and yeah I just feel like we're going to be dominating industry soon I can't period sure period
0: listen so yeah ha- a very happy 2022 for me and mine. to you and yours and stay locked in the future is black it's black